Here comes O'Bannon, in and out, down the lane. And the foul. Rebounded inside, O'Bannon, who banks it in. Here's O'Bannon, he's been sensational. To the bucket! O'Bannon, the senior, the last time he will ever play on this court at Freedom Hall, and he flat can't miss. Welcome, welcome, guys. This is the Player's Perspective Uncensored with Larry O'Bannon. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and just rocking with us on the podcast, man. I'm loving being here with you guys. I mean, what better way to start your week than talking a little sports and a little bourbon? You know, I just love being here. I love talking with the guests. I love them sharing stories. I love sharing part of my story as well. Got another great guest for you guys today. I'll be joined by Earl Clark, the New Jersey native, 6'9", versatile forward, former first-round draft pick in 2009 of the NBA. But in the basketball world, we call him E5 or we just call him 5. You know, we're going to talk to him today about how he made a name for himself Early expectations in his college career coming out being a McDonald's All-American. You know, we're going to talk about his time in the NBA, and we're going to talk about his experience playing along Kobe Bryant and some of the things that he learned from the Mamba. And you can catch this interview also on YouTube, our channel, The Player's Perspective Uncensored Podcast. Make sure you go and check that out. You can see how me and E5 interact uh, during our podcast interview. It's a great way for you guys to catch up and see it as well definitely make sure you go and subscribe and check that out when you have some time this episode is brought to you by kentuxican bourbon hot sauce want to know what's missing from your favorite meals kentuxican bourbon hot sauce a premium hot sauce made with old family recipes from the small towns of mexico and the contemporary bourbon from the heart of the bluegrass made with natural ingredients capturing a unique combination of bold flavor worried about your diet no problem it's kettle friendly gluten-free, and has zero calories. It's versatile and delicious, goes perfect with all your favorite foods. It's available in the buy local section of your Kroger's, Whole Foods, Liquor World, Liquor Barn, Total Wines, Rainbow Blossom, Wine Rack, and various natural stores and liquor outlets. Also available online at Amazon. For more information, be sure to visit www.kentuxican.com. Be sure to experience the Kentuxican flavors today. Our bourbon selection of the day for this episode is Wilderness Trail Single Burl, owned and distilled by the Wilderness Trail Distillery, has a weeded mash bill, comes in at 100 proof or 50% alcohol volume. It's fairly new bourbon, so not a lot of history behind it, but I'll give you guys my thoughts in a minute. Let's go ahead and bring E5 into the podcast. Five. I see you decked out in your Louisville gear, baby. Welcome to the Players Perspective of Sister Podcast, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, baby. You know I had to come correct. Like I said before, man, with a Louisville legend. You know what I'm saying? I had to come correct, man. You know. Already. Already. Let, let's dive right into the podcast, man. Let me ask you this. Having went to school in Louisville, Kentucky, have you ever tried bourbon? Are you familiar with any bourbons? Man, I won't lie. I had a few bourbon nights, man. Uh, my freshman year, getting to Louisville, you know, obviously we young kids, and you know, we go to a parties, we have a good time, you know, after obviously, you know, going to class, doing our work, you know, so we let our hair down a little bit. And I ain't gonna sit here and lie and say, I, I have never tried the bourbon, but uh, when I first got there, it was a little bit too much for me, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but my, third, my, my third year, by the time I left, you know what I'm saying, I was, I was with the bourbon, but 
at first it was too strong for me, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's a big, big, big uh, drink down in Louisville, Kentucky, man. Absolutely. So on the basketball tip, when you were growing up, man, who inspired you or who was somebody that you wanted to model your game after uh, when you were growing up as a youngster? Um, man, for me, it was a lot of guys. Um, you know, just growing up, me and, and, and my friends and how we came up, we was outside a lot, you know, we and we played basketball all day, you know, tag, you know, play basketball. You know how it is when we came up, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's a lot of guys in my neighborhood that uh, a guy named Andre Dabney, he was a point guard. He went to Plainfield High School, but he had sick handles. He was quick. And like, as a young kid, I used to just go to the park and watch his moves and, and try to mimic him or like ask him some questions, you know what I'm saying? Try to get in the game. I was too young for them to let me play at that time, but he actually played with my brother and I used to go to the games, and, and he was one of my biggest inspirations, him and, and Allen Iverson. I was a big AI fan, Chuck, uh, Chuck, you know what I'm saying, Bubba Chuck, my bad. And uh, I love AI, man. You know, I patterned my life after him for real. You know what I'm saying? Everything right. he did, what he cheats, how he do things his way, you know, I, I, I thought I was AI. So guys like that and, and a few other guys in my neighborhood that they didn't really go to college, or but they was good, and uh, they showed me a lot. Nice. They inspired me. Now, now, five. You are a hybrid player. You six nine, six ten, yeah. And you're a positionless player. You play one through five. Now, were you a guard that came into the height later on, or were you always tall and you just developed the skill set later on? Yeah. Um. I, it, it was crazy for me because when I was about uh, sixth grade, I probably was about five eight. You know what I'm saying? I was I was tall, but there was other guys that was the same height as me. You know what I'm saying? And I was a guard. I always played guard. Like you said, I look up to AI. I used to go outside and dribble for hours or go in my basement and dribble for hours. And my, my mom say, you know, sometimes I ain't know where you was, but if I heard that basketball, I know you're around here somewhere. <laughs> like, right. I always was in my game, you know what I'm saying? Like, and sometimes in the courts in Jersey, they don't got no net. It's a double rim. You don't really even care about scoring. You know, we come up in the N one era. So, you know, you watch the tapes, you, you get a ball, you dribble to school, you know what I'm saying? You're trying to cross your friends over at recess. Nobody really counting the baskets. You're just trying to slide somebody, get a fancy layup, <laughs> something like that. But as I got older, you know, the next summer, I went from 5'8 to 6'6. Six, six. And mm -hmm. I had like a lot of growing pains. Like it, it was tough for me. I really thought like basketball wasn't going to be for me because I thought I had bad knees. But actually I was just growing so fast. So when that happened, I still had the ball skills, but I was still tall. And like you said, I always wanted to be a guard. I thought I was AI. So it was some teams I got kicked off, actually, because I go to, like, a, a rec league, and they say, yo, you a center. I'd be like, bro, I'm a guard. <laughs> if I'm not playing guard, I quit. I'm not playing. <laughs> My pops, people used to get on me, like, you got a bad attitude. But that's just how I felt, you know what I'm saying? So it always kept – it stayed with me, you know, just – just the ball handling and just, you know, in one era, just being in that era for real. Right. Now, you being from Jersey, you go to every city, especially every major city in America, there's always a park where you go and you play and you get certified or you get stamped as a certified ball in that city. Like in Louisville, Kentucky, it's the Dirt Bowl, a shiny yeah. park. You know, that's at some point you got to go there and perform to be certified and stamped in the city of Louisville. In Jersey, what's the program or what's the park where people go to get certified or stamped as a certified hooper? Man, um, 
it's a camp called, uh, I'll tell you a quick story, called ABCD. I was maybe, what, ninth grade. And uh, I played AAU with this guy named Sandy Pioni. And uh, after practice one day, he took me to this gym in Teaneck, New Jersey. And it was an all-star game. And there's guys like Dwight Howard, uh, J.R. Smith. I seen Sean Livingston and uh, Sebastian Telfair put on one of the greatest shows that I ever seen. And this inspired me. I'm like, yo, I, I'm, I've been in Jersey, you know, all these years. I never knew about this camp. But these, these kids, these stars, like, it looked like it's so fun. Like, I want to be in this camp. And I, I didn't get invited, but he obviously knew people, you know. And uh, he got me in the camp that, that next year, you know what I'm saying? And that's when I really, that was my coming out party. That's when coaches knew who I was. You know, people in Jersey all over because they started writing articles about how good I was. And uh, I felt solidified right there because it was players from all around just coming to this one camp. And, you know, it was a dog-eat-dog world. You know, you get out there, you, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I was surviving, so I felt good about myself. So I felt like uh, after that camp, I felt like I was one of the best players in the country and I, and I could hold my own. Yeah, and, and one of the best players you were, man. You were McDonald's All-American coming out of high school, man. You could have went anywhere you wanted to in, in, in the United States, could have picked any school you wanted. What made you pick Louisville? What made you come to Louisville? Did they give you the bag? Man, listen, I wish. Listen. <laughs> man. Hey, boy. <laughs> listen, I wish. But uh, they took me to a football game, big bro. I can't lie, man. You know, I'm coming from Jersey, and uh, it, it was it was a little different for me. But you know, I walked my city; people knew who I was. But when I came into the to the football, you know, when you walk in the football game, you got to get through the crowd, get to your seat. They like E5, what's going on, bro? They knew my yeah. nickname. Everything was so much love. Like I never got this, I never got this reception. I never got this love before. You know what I'm saying? On top of that, Coach P took me to the gym and he showed me how how y'all guys work. The individuals, like you said, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm, a, I'm a gym rat. Like you said, I was in the basement. I was outside. I always been working on my game. So I'm thinking, like, yo, they really do. They wake up. They do individual. I just like the program. You know what I'm saying? Right. And uh, I just felt like it was the school for me after that football game. And I seen how they work. And I, I didn't take no more visits. I took a visit to Louisville. I shut it down. I said, you know, I'm coming here. Now, let me ask you this. Now, did Taekwon Dean have any influence on you coming to Louisville? Because he's from Jersey, too. Yeah. I mean, not really. I mean, Taekwon... He, he he had game. He was nice, and he held he held his own. But I ain't gonna lie and say like when I was a youngin, you know, I, I seen him play in high school, or you know, what I'm saying I wanted to like follow his league. It was just when I got up there, I was able to link with another Jersey legend. You right, know what I'm right. I good, so I felt good. You know, it was easy. He was right. showing me around, showed me how the campus is, and uh, he just really just you know put me on a lot of game that I appreciate that he didn't really have to do when I came up there for that visit, and I appreciate that. Right, right. Now, if you hadn't gone to Louisville, where do you think you would have went to? I was going to Villanova, bro, because, uh, like I said, the guy that I was working out with, uh, Sandy Pioni, he mm -hmm. was good friends with a guy named Fred Hill, I believe his name. He used to coach at uh, Rutgers. But he used to come see me before anybody knew me before I went to that ABCD camp. And I, used right. to up, I was up there every weekend. Uh, Randy Foy was like, you know, uh, he basically – my AAU coach basically raised Randy, so – I used to go out there every weekend, watch the games. I go in the locker room. I used to bring my friends, and we used to trip. Like we go in the locker room, and be like, "Bro, look at all these Gatorades they get for free." Like we was tripping off that. Like y'all ain't gotta pay for nothing. Y'all get shoes. Y'all get nice for free. Tights, everything. So it was a good experience. So I was familiar with those guys. I really wanted to go there. 
but Louisville was just so powerful. The culture was just so uh, attracting. You know what I'm saying? One of the hardest things I ever did was when I came back from Louisville, Jay Wright was actually at my school in the principal's office. So I had to tell him that day, <laughs> like, yo, I'm not coming, I'm going to Louisville. You know what I'm saying? It was the first time where I really had to, you know what I'm saying, use my voice and talk uh, about real man things. Like, this is a real situation for a young kid, so it was tough. Going into Louisville, what were your expectations? You know, because a lot of McDonald's All-Americans, they coming in, you know, one and done, at the most two and done. What were your expectations? Because I know when you first got there, you weren't playing as much as you wanted to. It was an adjustment period. What was your yeah. thought process or, or what was your expectations going in? Oh, man, it was tough. It was tough for me because, like you said, I wasn't playing when I got there. It was different. Like, I'm a kid. I came from a regular public school, bro. After school, we practiced. We might go three-man weave. Then it's five-on-five. And I basically was the coach. You know what I'm saying? Right. I was All-American. Right. never went to that school history. So you, you know how I go. You know what I'm saying? I get to Louisville. You know Coach P not having that shit, bro. You know what I'm saying? I don't know some of the terminologies. I don't know how to box out. It just <laughs> give me the ball and move out the way. I don't know how to play without the ball. So, you know what I'm saying? It was a, a real adjustment for me. The first couple of days I had to hit the treadmill. I was running. I really wanted to go home. But, uh, you know, I had to tough it out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I felt like I was ready to play. But at first I had to learn. I had to learn how to box out. I had to learn how to, you know, uh, close out. You know, don't take uh, contested shots like that. Yeah. But around that time around, in our era, you know what it is. These coaches, you know, they want you to stick around for a little bit. They're going to groom you a little bit, you know what I'm saying? It was cool, you know what I'm saying? But uh, once I got past that, you know, I had my, my nights that I cried in the room, you know, because I think about it, bro. I, I I never played a game where I got zero minutes, like never got in. Right, So when that first right. happened, like, like real tears came to my eyes. And, you know, Coach uh, Marvin Menzies came to me and said, yo, man up, bro. Like, this is a big boy league. Like, you know what I'm saying? You got to get through this. And it's something that I had to get through. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, Listen, man, we all had them nights, man. We all had them. Somebody tell you they ain't, they lying to you. <laughs> exactly. I feel like it prepared me for, for, for the real world. Like, it, the same thing happened to me when I went to the NBA. I went to a veteran ball club. You know what I'm saying? I was playing behind a superstar at the time. And if I never went through that in Louisville, I got there, then I would have been in trouble. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like in life, sometimes... You go through things, you just got to treat it as a learning experience and, and take your experiences with you. Because I feel like if I didn't go through that in my early stages in Louisville, I wouldn't be playing basketball right now. I'd probably be kicked out somewhere or not, you know what I'm saying? Wouldn't be able to handle it. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate those times, for real. For sure. And I just had Sosa on the podcast, and I was talking to him because he was your classmate. And I said, man, that class that you came in with, Sosa, Earl Clark, Derek Character, Jerry Smith, and that 08, 09 team, I said that was probably the most talented team from top to bottom that yeah. I seen in the whole Rick Patino era. Because people always ask me, man, how do you think you would have stacked up against, like, the national champ team or the 08, 09 team? I'm like, listen, I said from a talent perspective, I said that 08, 09 team was a beast. I said, yeah. you know, they first five and they second five was, was, yeah, we was tough, tough, man. You know what's crazy? At that time, we, we, I really didn't know how good we was, bro. But as I get older, I get online and I try to like go Google stuff. Bro, we really was nice. Like, we yeah, really man. Like when you, but when you're going through it, you don't really, you feel like you're supposed to be like that. You know what I'm saying? But, right. uh, man, it was a great class, man. We had Derek Character. He was a dog too. Uh, yeah. Jerry Smith. And those guys were, and them guys was playing right away. 
Like Jerry was playing, putting up big numbers, numbers so his freshman year. So for me, I had to like sit back and wait. And I'm saying it was like I said, it was tough at times, but we always stuck together. We always felt like we was one gang, and you know what I'm saying they picked me up a lot. So for I, sure. I, it was an honor to go to school and, and be in a class with those guys. For sure, man. You know, I mean, challenge your ego. Like, listen, man, I'm the McDonald's All American here, man. Like, how, how am I not playing? I'm supposed to be playing. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I I get it. But what were some of your fondest? What were some of your best memories in a uh, Cardinal uniform? Oh uh, man, uh, honestly, just the brotherhood, bro. I, I think I took really for granted, like. Just you know, when you when you in college, y'all live together, bro. Now it's for me, it's a business. Even in the yeah. NBA, we go. It's a job, bro. Like you know, what I'm saying when, when me and my brothers, we we came together and we we accomplished a lot of goals. At that time, being young, you know, you you think about the NBA, you think about what you want to do when you get older. You know what I'm saying? That's why I tell my kids, don't take time for granted, don't take situations for granted. But uh, just the brotherhood, man. Just waking up, getting better every day. Really, you know, getting on TV, winning these games, and being number one in the country. Uh, probably, uh, we on my birthday, I hit a, a buzzer beater against uh, Pittsburgh for the number one position in the country. Like these is memories that I think back on and be like, yo, that was a big deal. You know what I'm saying? So just stuff like that, just the brotherhood, being in, being in a family, and just being tight, bro. I miss that. I, there was two things that stuck out to me. The game winner was one, but the second one, man, was the home game. Y'all playing Notre Dame, and you had Heron Goldie at the top, man, and, and hit him with a rip through and and, and banged on him two hands, like like a, a real facial. Press, you know, when you done, you had bounce too. I know you caught a few bodies. <laughs> Ain't too much celebrating going on. You better get back in that press, or you coming out the game. Yes, you know sir. I see uh I see Luke a lot when I play overseas. I still joke with him like, man, I know you remember that dunk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cody, though. He was a basket, man. He was he was tearing the big east up. I don't know how with that awkward ass game, but hey, he was he got was it done somehow. Yeah, he did. So once you left Louisville, man, you were the 14th overall pick in the 2009 draft to the yeah. Phoenix Suns. Talk about your moment when you realize. Like, this ain't college no more. This is a whole different ball game. What was that moment or, or when was that moment for you and when did it happen? Uh, for me, it was when I realized I couldn't really dictate off just of what my situation off just basketball. Like, you, it's a big business up here. You can't just come to practice and kill and bust uh, people's ass and you, and you think you're going to play. You know what I'm saying? Uh, right. I feel like in college, you know, it's different. They treat you like a man, but at the same time, you're still a kid. And in the NBA, the, the difference is if, if, if you're not talking, if you're not going to these GMs, if you don't got a relationship with your coach, you know, it's different. And it's, for me, it was, it was difficult for me. I, I, like I said, I was a McDonald's All-American. Uh, I went to Louisville, you know what I'm saying, a top, a top program. So basically, all that stuff is really done. I really was a spoiled kid. I never really had to talk. I never really, you know what I'm saying? Everything was, was took care of for me. So I didn't know how to handle, uh, like, not playing, but doing all the right things, killing the practice. But it, I had to learn. It's a business. You got to learn how to sit down. You got to learn how to talk to people and wait your turn, you know what I'm saying, and figure right. things out, not just straight off the basketball uh, uh, aspect. So I feel like the difference between the college and the league is it's a big man business and it's just not all about basketball, bro. You know what I'm saying? I always thought it was just about the hoops. That's all I was worried about. It's other things that you got to take care of and solidify 
if you want to get where you want to be. Right. Now, as a rookie, you know, they always give rookies the, the defensive assignments because they don't want the vets or the star players to get in foul trouble. So your rookie year, who was like the toughest assignment for you coming off the bench cold? They'd be like, Eric Clark, you got such and such. Who was the toughest assignment for you when you first got into the league? I ain't gonna lie, big bro. I barely played. Like I was, I led, I led rookies in nine minutes played that year, right? But I'm gonna tell you a story, day. I'm at the end of the bench. I'm thinking I ain't playing. It's about two, three months. So I'm thinking I'm, I worked down finna kick my feet up. I'm losing focus. <laughs> I'm losing focus because it, it can really play on your mind, bro. Like you know what I'm saying? But we played the Nuggets. Coach throw me in the game. I'm going mellow. First possession, he catch it, rip, rip through spinoff. I'm lost. Lady. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I'm thinking like, bro, he's a basket. Next time, pump fake, jumper. I'm like, bro, he's killing me now. The third, I'm fouling him. You know what I'm saying? But then he took me out. But I'm on the bench like, yo, Melo, it's hard to figure him out. Like, you know, I'm a defensive player. I could, you know what I'm saying? I play some defense. But, bro, his, his stopping, his stop on the, on the dime is just so nasty. He's strong. He quick. But that's when I realized, like, bro, if you will, you come out here unfocused, you will get fried. <laughs> and that happened my rookie season, one of the games I did play. And it taught me how to always lock in, stay in the game. Even if you don't play the whole game, try to see your player tendencies, you're going to be guarding because, man, there's some killers in that league. And if you come out here, you will get cooked. Right. Now, you had the experience of playing with the late, great Kobe Bryant with the Lakers. And yeah. then when some things happened, man, you played a significant role on that team. I remember in Detroit, man, I, like it was yesterday, E5 hit the game winner. Kobe trusted you past you. You hit the game winner in Detroit, man. Yeah. What was that experience like, and, and what did you learn from the time that you spent with the Lakers and playing with Kobe Bryant? Man, I, I learned so much. For me, I mean, I'm not a guy who talk a lot, but I'm very observant. You know what I'm saying? So. When I'm around guys that I respect, I, I watch their moves. I watch how they practice. I see how they try to conduct themselves. I see, you know what I'm saying, what they doing on a day-to-day. So me being around guys like Kobe, it, it, it was just great to see, man, his work ethic, to see what he put in every day. And once, you know, a few guys got hurt and I was able to get out there and showcase what I can do, with, with somebody like being on my side telling me, hey, bro, let's go, shoot the ball, be you. Bro, I had the most confidence in the world. There's nothing nobody could tell me now. Now I'm shooting anything. Now Bro, come on, man. Like, he put so much, like, confidence in me. And, and it was just great at that time because it was my fourth year. I really haven't played down. I haven't proven myself. So me being out there and show people that I really was working, that I really wasn't just taking this for granted and just wanting the contract or just being lazy, you know what I'm saying? So... For right. me, being able to show people, like, yo, he really can't play in this league in L.A. on the team with Kobe, bro, I can't really complain about anything. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Now, you've had, like, a short stint in the G League. You played uh-huh. six years, seven years in the NBA. Uh-huh. Now you played a few years overseas now. Compare the three and talk about the difference in the style of play in the G League, in the NBA, and the international game. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start with the D-League. I feel like the D-League is different from the – and I'm just compared to the league because it's the best okay. league. Um, the D-League is different from the league because uh, once it's, it's mostly a lot of young guys, you know, because they're coming out. There's a few old guys that's trying to get back in. And it's different for me because I was coming from the NBA. So I was used to 
getting on those private flights and nice hotels and you know what I'm saying? So me coming down was like a, a humbling experience because it's like, damn, it's, we flying regular, you know, uh, the, the practice gear is not the same, you know, it's not the same living situation. It's kind of like a, a little bit more of a, a college atmosphere, but the style of play is the same. Um, obviously for me, I was in the NBA, I was, I was highly tired. So, uh, you know, you get to a team, they let you be the guy, you know what I'm saying? So it's, I think it's, it's different circumstances from everybody, like from just coming out of school, not getting drafted, don't know where you, you're just trying to get your feet wet. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for Europe, I feel like Europe is totally different from the NBA and just the basketball over here, period. Um, one, the style of play, the defensive uh, three-second rule, um, just like breaking somebody down, making a nice move, and somebody smack it off the rim, and you like, bro, that's goaltending, and then so hot, bro. Yeah, I, man. It just, uh, I feel like that more is a, a college atmosphere too. Like we eat together. Um, obviously, like in Europe, you don't see guys 40, 30 points, you know what I'm saying? It's like a, they want it, I feel like as a, like a, like a soccer game, like they want it as a war. They don't want no blowouts. They don't want like a best team. So sometimes in Europe, bro, the game might be, I mean, you play the, you know, game might be 65, 50 or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's not like the hundred points or somebody got 40. So I think, uh, in that aspect, it's a little different, but, uh, at, at the same time, it's still dogs over there. It's, uh, I feel like it's a lot of people in Europe that can't be in the NBA, but it's just a different style of play. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. If you can't fit into that mold, you know, it, it's tough to be over there. Yeah, I was watching. I got a chance to watch you this year when y'all was playing against my boy Chris Dow. And uh, y'all went out there in Poland and played. And when they was uh, playing against y'all, I said, look at five working. When y'all was playing in Poland, you was the only one to show up. Ain't nobody else show up. Man, I, I, I thought y'all had that one. Remember that game, but yeah, man, you know, I still got a little bit in the tank. Big oh, got a whole lot left in the tank. Got a whole lot left in the tank. The Burr Proof segment of our podcast is brought to you by Kentuckian Bourbon Hot Sauce. Be sure to experience the bold and unique flavors today. Available in your buy local sections of Kroger's, Whole Foods, Liquor World, Liquor Bond, online at Amazon and other various locations. For more information, be sure to visit www.kentuckian.com. Now we reached a part of the podcast we like to call the, the barrel poof or rapid fire questions, man. So don't give it a lot of thought. Give us your first answer. We're going to roll with it. All right. So more important than Jersey, the fitted cap or the Tims? Hmm. Man, that's tough. I'm going to say Tims because um, it's just a culture, man. It's like if you want, bro, when I was a kid, I asked my mom for a pair of Tims every Christmas, every summer, never got them. Like she got me some Tims, but it wasn't their construction, it wasn't what I needed. But <laughs> Bro, <laughs> all my bro, all my bros at constructs, man. That's that's just what it is. One phrase that you hear people say and you know they're from Jersey. Nah, I mean. Nah, I mean. Hey, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Who wins a versus battle with T.I. and Rick Ross? Ooh, I'm gonna go with Ross. I mean, T.I., I mean. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go with Ross. T.I. got some hits, he, he's a legend in my eyes, but to me, Ross is top 10. Like, he paint a picture for me. You know what I'm saying? His wordplay, his albums, his material. I don't feel like, like T.I. got as many albums as Ross. You know what I'm saying? That, that's classics that go hard. Ross, I'm nice, a man. Too, though. I like, I like, I like to. Right. Best place you've ever played overseas? Man, I would have to go with Istanbul. 
my first stint, um, I played two years with Besitage. I bought my family. They had a, um, a good school, international school. The people was lovely, man. Uh, it's, it's a good place, man. I, I really didn't feel like I was in Turkey for real, bro. It was like the food, everything, the people, you know, uh, it's loving. It's not, it's not too much hate. I mean, people see things on, on the internet, on the news and be thinking, you're like, they'll call me like, bro, are you safe? I'm like, bro, I'm safer than you for real. You know? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> get into that. But, bro, uh, it's a beautiful place, man. Anybody that never been to Istanbul, Turkey, I, I, I advise them to travel there and check it out. Nice. Now, this is a question we call franchise sign a wave, and I'm going to bring it back to Randy Foy. Yes, so sir. you got a franchise a guy that you're going to build your team around. You got to sign a guy that you're going to keep on your team, and you got to wave a guy. We're going to do New Jersey edition. Mm. So these are your three options. You got Jason Williams, talking about Jason Williams with the Duke. Yeah, okay. You got Randy Foy, and you got Dewan Wagner. Mmm, you a fool <laughs> for that one. And what, what's the situation? I got a wave one. You got a franchise a guy that you're going to build your team around. You got to sign a guy that you're going to keep, and you got to wave a guy that you can't keep. So you only get to keep two out of three, but you got to prioritize. All right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm a franchise D-Wag because I ain't going to lie, that's my favorite. And he was a dog. And I feel like if it, if his injuries, if his body was healthy, his NBA career would have been different. You know what I'm saying? And like 100 points in high school. Just like what he was doing, how he went to Memphis. He was just carrying himself like he was just going to be one of them dudes. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I signed Randy. I'm, I'm, I'm biased a little bit. That's my guy. He told, yeah, he told me a lot. <laughs> me. We played pickup. He dropped a lot of jewels on me. And uh, I'm, I'm going to keep those two guys, bro. Are you going to wave uh, Jason yeah, I Williams? I'm going to wave Jason Williams, man. I mean, he was a dog, too. Uh, I'm not too familiar with him mm -hmm. as far as like being from Jersey personally. But you see what he did at Duke, man. He was a monster. And uh, he changed the game. Right, right. Childhood celebrity crush growing up. Mm, man, you about to get me beat up in here, man. You know why you crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, when I was a young and I used to watch that show one on one. One on one. You remember that? It used to be uh, uh -uh. Her, her pops was like his name was Flex. Check it out, bro. When we get off here, uh, one on one. All right. Uh, Kyra Pratt, though. I used to be on. Uh, Kyra, I, I, I know who Kyra Pratt is. Yeah, yeah. I know Kyra Pratt. Yeah, yeah, I used to be crushing on her. Best pair of hoop shoes that you hooped in. Mm. I'm gonna have to take it back to the Ville, probably those pro models y'all had. Mm, the pro models? The most comfortable shoes. I, and I hated Adidas, bro. They used to burn my feet. But when uh, when they gave me them joints, I'm like, yo, let me see those that they had, the pro models. <laughs> <laughs> if I can find a pair of those now, bro, I will be wearing Adidas. Right, Adidas, right. Last, last question, Fox. One lesson the game of basketball's taught you that you could pass on to the next generation? Oh, man. Basketball has taught me so much in my life, man. But one thing that I, that I live off is just keep striving, man. Uh, every day is going to be challenges, you know, and, and try to appreciate everything that's around you. I mean, my career, I done been to the G League. I done played with Kobe. I done, but it's few things that I can sit back and, and appreciate and be like, listen, I done – I've been in the basement before. I had to get up out of that. I've been in the top. I had to go back down. Just keep pushing, man. We all we all got our own path, our own uh, destination, man. You can't look at other people. 
you just got to keep pushing and appreciate how, how good you are and what the work that you put in. As long as in yourself, if you satisfy with that, you know, the outcome is always going to be good because that's one thing you can't run from, bro. It's hard work. And the hard work is always going to – I call them earners, man. I'm up with the earners every morning. Like, we got to get to it. We got to – you know what I'm saying? So if I can take anything away from basketball, just just keep pushing every day, man, and don't give up. Five. Appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to come on and jump on the podcast, man. Yeah, Wish yes, you the best man. of luck in the upcoming season, man, in South Korea. Know you're going to do your thing. You still got a lot left in the tank. I don't know what you're talking about. A little left in the tank. You still got a lot, young fella. But best of luck to you, man. You and your family stay safe, man. Like I said, again, I appreciate you taking the time, though, bro. Yes, sir. Hello. You know it's nothing but love, baby. Anytime. Thanks for having me, man. And now for our final review of our bourbon selection of the day for this episode, which was Wilderness Trail Single Burrow. Fairly new bourbon. It was released in April of 2018. Doesn't come off too strong. Sort of light on the nose, mostly made up of floral and caramel flavors. Now to the sip, energy was pretty mild. Wasn't a lot there. Had a thin texture to it. Some of the oil bodies seemed to be missing. My palate's picked up candy pecans. Some caramel flavor, a little pecan flavor, some oak flavor in there as well. Had a mild heat in transition. It didn't last too long. Some people like a large amount of heat. Some people like minimal heat. I sort of like mine in the middle. The aftertaste was light and sweet, more on the caramel side. But after a few smacks, you can pick up the leather flavor in there. It sort of gave it a dry ending. All in all, pretty solid bourbon, especially for a price point of 45 to 55 bucks. I'd be interested in hearing you guys' thoughts if you've ever tried it before. Definitely be sure to let me know. And that's our review for the day. Really appreciate Earl for coming on the podcast. Great guy, one of the most down-to-earth, humble, funniest guys you'll ever meet, man. And it was great to have him on and hear his story on the podcast. Now, make sure you guys go subscribe, rate, and leave us reviews. We'd love to hear your feedback on how we could do better, how you guys think we're doing. Also, give us suggestions on, you know, our bourbon selection of the day and who you would like for us to interview next on our podcast episodes. Now, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Our handle is the PPU Podcast and on Instagram, the Player's Perspective Podcast. That'll do it for this episode. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And that is the player's perspective.